I am your host, William Cooper. Still feeling bad, rain 
And it is raining. Now in the great state of Arizona, we've already had more than our yearly expected rainfall for the entire year. But it's raining for the free world. The storm clouds on the horizon. And this program is about it. About those storm clouds. About some of the things that have been happening that are destroying this country, destroying the Constitution of the United States of America. And it's going to show you how absolutely sound asleep we've all been. What you're going to hear tonight is the research done by one of the members of the Citizens Agency for Joint Intelligence, Roy J. Gianpalli. He actually sent this research into the San Francisco Chronicle as a letter to the editor. They refused to print it. Listen to this. Sit back, relax, close your eyes, open your ears, and do not go to sleep. This is your wake-up call. The New York City District Attorney's Office has linked the Polish FAS Fund for external debt swindle to the BCCI scandal. Despite charges yet to be filed, Polish Fund Chief Executive Rezgors Zimic has been jailed and a New York City District Attorney investigative officer has leveled the allegation that as much as $260 million missing is just the latest effort at bilking available monies around the world. The money trail, through letters of credit or wire transfers from Warsaw, leads to Wells Fargo Bank of Hayward, the gold rush town of Sonora, and to Aruba, an island off the Venezuelan coast. Money laundering alert editor Charles Intriago says, quote, Aruba is considered one of the prime money laundering spots in the Western Hemisphere, unquote. Alleged CIA operatives in Sonora refused to comment on the assertion that they helped funnel the funds through U.S. banks to the drug money haven island. Colombian drug traffickers in alliance with a mafia of Venezuelans and Sicilians say U.S. authorities that Venezuela is the most important transshipment point for Colombian cocaine. Wells Fargo branch manager Kay Malloy, as well as Wells Fargo Public Relations, says they are unaware of how the deception was carried out. Ha. Huh. However, the money transfer was made possible through the Overseas Credit Corporation, hereafter referred to as OCC, a probable CIA front company. The paper trail goes from Warsaw to Luxembourg to London to Maryland, a stone throw away from CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. Sonora resident and OCC President Barbara J. Botton was tight-lipped when asked if the action was a covert CIA activity. Her brother-in-law and car wash equipment proprietor, Edward R. Smith, OCC Vice President, was unavailable for comment. Although a former business associate of Smith said that he was traveling all around Europe, was involved in an investment program, and always had new cars. The San Francisco Chronicle earlier reported that on July 10, 1990, on Hayward Wells Fargo stationery, Malloy supposedly signed a document stating they were in possession of $12.5 million of FAS funds. 
Allegedly, the letters were forwarded to Zimek so he could assure Polish government officials that the money was safe. The letters were intended to guarantee Polish officials that the funds were being used in buying up their debt at Wells Fargo. Quote, Smith and Barbara Botten were somehow connected to a big European corporation capitalized at more than $300 million, which underwrites loans worldwide and takes percentage points of the loans as a fee, unquote, the Chronicle earlier reported. According to Warsaw Deputy Prosecutor Janusz Kowis, all those letters were fabricated for the obvious purpose of keeping the chief executive of the FAS convinced that FAS funds were still safely deposited somewhere. Despite that assurance, the monies were possibly diverted to suspected CIA coffers. If the money went to Aruba, did it go to purchase Colombian cocaine? And how much? Venezuela was the transshipment point for the 12 tons of cocaine confiscated late last year by Miami authorities in the second biggest cocaine seizure in one place in history. Evidence obtained by anti-narcotics agents now indicates that the cocaine came from a cartel based in the southern Colombian city of Cali, wrote the L.A. Times. Colombian cartel members and Venezuelan traffickers are facilitating their business by paying money for political influence in major cities and buying large stretches of jungle property along the 1,300 miles of border between the two countries. Officials say much of the land in the area is controlled by former military and police commanders who help provide a safe corridor for cocaine, the Times said. The Los Angeles Times also says that, quote, illicit narcotics are not altogether new in Venezuela, a country that two Sicilian organized crime families, the Contreras and the Caruan, Caruanans, have used as a base for smuggling Middle Eastern heroin since the 1970s. The crime families own hundreds of legitimate businesses in Venezuela and have financed major political campaigns. Officials say that traffickers are continuing to pour their drug profits into Venezuela, a country with no statues against money laundering. Millions of dirty dollars have been invested in real estate, travel agencies, currency exchanges, hotels, and casinos, writes the Los Angeles Times. Question. Is the CIA working in conjunction with the mafia in this international scandal? I say yes. If so, what should be done? The Octopus and the International Conspiracy Back to 1941 What do the savings and loan, debacle, the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, BCCI scandal, the Bay of Pigs invasion, the Watergate fiasco, the October surprise scenario, the Iran-Contra affair, the John F. Kennedy, JFK, the Robert F. Kennedy, RFK, Martin Luther King Jr., MLK, and Malcolm X, MX assassinations have in common. According to lawyer, private investigator Paul Kangas, the unifying links are George Herbert Walker Bush and Richard Milhouse Nixon. 
Richard Nixon may not have his dirty fingers in on the savings and loan collapse, the BCCI morass, or the October surprise treason, although he may have counseled both Ronald Reagan and George Bush, but he has been caught red-handed in the murders of both JFK and Robert Kennedy. Kangas isn't the lone voice who makes a number of connections. Newsweek, 92391. Writer Stephen Waldham presents a picture of how a number of political upheavals are tied together over the last third of a century. His, quote, unified scandal theory, unquote, shows how the above events are related. Oliver Stone, in the recently released movie JFK, alleges that the assassination was a conspiracy amongst the CIA, Secret Service, Office of Naval Intelligence, the FBI, the military-industrial complex, and possibly the Mafia. Folks, I revealed all of those facts as far back as 1972, with the exception of the Mafia. I can assure you they were not involved in the JFK assassination. But they may have been involved in the others. Populist Party presidential candidate Bo Grites, Village Voice 11492, claims the U.S. government is responsible for the JFK murder and much more. He says that through Operation Watchtower, international drug organization, which concludes the U.S. government, Colombia, Panama, Israel's Mossad, and others, an elitist organization that seems more interested in profits, our world is being controlled. Greitz states the underlying reason behind the JFK murder. The president was about to put the Federal Reserve out of business with an executive order, and the bankers couldn't take that lying down. Well, that last sentence is absolutely true. But it's not the United States government that was responsible for John F. Kennedy's assassination. It was the very organization to which Bo Greitz belongs. A secret society. In July 1990, Freedom Call 90 in Las Vegas, I sat in the audience and heard Lieutenant Colonel James Bogreitz, as he introduced himself and gave his credentials, say, and I quote, I am a 32nd degree Freemason of the Scottish Rite, unquote. You'd do best not to lend support to Lieutenant Colonel James Bogreitz. Quote, A newly discovered FBI document reveals that George Bush was directly involved in the 1963 murder of John F. Kennedy, writes Kangas in his publication. Quote, Jail Bush for the murder of JFK, unquote. He says that it was Bush's CIA job to organize the Cu Cuban community in Miami for the Bay of Pigs invasion. He hopped from Houston to Miami Weekly. Bush spent 1960 and 1961 recruiting Cubans in Miami for the invasion. That is how he met Felix Rodriguez. Rodriguez, then 19 years old during the Bay of Pigs invasion, is the same person, otherwise known as Max Gomez, who called then-Vice President Bush's office to report the downing of the Southern Air Transport's C-123K over Nicaragua on 10-5-1986. Eugene Hassenfuss was the sole survivor. William Cooper, the pilot, was killed. No relation to me, but he is the man whom the William Cooper Foundation was named after. Hopefully, the foundation can serve to keep other patriots 
from getting involved in illegal activities in the name of patriotism. When you go against the Constitution, no matter what you call it, or no matter how patriotic you label it, you are helping to destroy this country. Understand that. Anyone who subverts the Constitution in any manner is a traitor. Carl Davidson, reviewing Guardian 1892, reviewing Mark Lane's book, and Carl Davidson was on the New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison's investigative team. When he reviewed Mark Lane's book, Plausible Denial, was the CIA involved in the assassination of JFK? Says that Marita Lorenz, former Fidel Castro lover, recruited in 1959 to the CIA by Castro's Air Force security head and later Watergate burglar Frank Sturgis, otherwise known as Frank Angelo, Fiorini, Sturgis, E. Howard Hunt, and Jack Ruby, otherwise known as Jack Rubenstein, who worked for Congressman Nixon in 1947. Were you aware of that? Jack Ruby, otherwise known as Jack Rubenstein, worked for Congressman Nixon in 1947. We're all in a Dallas motel room with guns and money on the night of 11-21-63. The next day after John F. Kennedy was murdered, Sturgis Hunt and the third unidentified tramp were photographed while in Dallas police custody. However, the three were never booked. The picture was in the Watergate safe of Larry O'Brien when the plumbers attempted its theft. The Democratic Party was about to publish it and bust Richard Milhouse Nixon for the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Ladies and gentlemen, when I was in the Office of Naval Intelligence, I saw that Division 5 elements belonging to secret societies were involved. Elements of the Office of Naval Intelligence who belonged to these same secret societies were involved. Elements of the Secret Service and the Central Intelligence Agency who also belonged to these secret societies were involved. The assassination was performed on the 33rd parallel, and in Dealey Plaza there's a plaque commemorating the location of the first Masonic temple in the state of Texas. Richard Milhouse Nixon is a Freemason. But Richard Milhouse Nixon is not responsible for the assassination of JFK, even though he may have participated in his planning and execution. I can tell you that he, E. Howard Hunt was in charge of training the shooters and was on site to supervise. Returning to 1959, when Richard Milhouse Nixon was vice president, Henrik Kruger says in The Great Heroin Coup, Nixon also helped plan the Bay of Pigs invasion chairing the 5412 group, which was a National Security Council subcommittee in charge of covert actions. The vice president pushed for the plan's approval before his 1960 presidential race against Kennedy. According to E. Howard Hunt, Nixon was the invasion's secret action officer in the White House. Kruger says that CIA Cuban invasion activities were organized through Operation 40. Tangus, who spoke in Willits on January 24, 1992, says, Other famous Watergate members of the CIA Bay of Pigs invasion that Bush recruited were Sturgis, Hunt, Bernard Barker, and Rafael Quintero. 
Quintero has said publicly that if he ever told what he knew about Dallas and the Bay of Pigs, it would be the biggest scandal ever to rock the nation. Nixon lost the 1960 race by the smallest margin in history. At first, Bush, Nixon, Cabell, and Hunt decided to just go ahead with the invasion without informing Kennedy. Then at the last second, at 4 a.m., just two hours before the invasion was set to go, General Cabell called JFK and asked for permission to provide United States air cover for the CIA invasion. John Kennedy said no. Another unusual coincidence was that General Cabell's brother was the mayor of Dallas at the time of the JFK assassination. According to Stone in the movie JFK, Lee Harvey Oswald was a dupe and was set up. I concur with that. In fact, I have a photograph, and we have done body measurement proportion comparison with Lee Harvey Oswald in the photograph and in custody of the Dallas police, and it is one and the same man, and he is standing in the doorway on the bottom floor of the book depository building as the motorcade passes by. He was not even inside the building. That is on the John F. Kennedy assassination documentary tape that we have available for you. And it shows who shot the president. You can see it with your own eyes on this tape. We've had this tape available for several years. Not one single television station in this country, except one in Atlanta, Georgia, and one in Salt Lake City, has ever dared to show it. The news anchorman in Salt Lake City was fired immediately afterwards. The TV station in Atlanta, Georgia, showed it on a late-night talk show. It's an independent station that's not on cable and has a very short broadcast range. And because of that, no one has bothered him. Why would a Marine be given Russian-language training and then supposedly defect? The KGB must have had an inkling what was happening because they left Oswald alone. And that's to their credit, because Oswald was an operative of the Office of Naval Intelligence, the same organization that I was a member of. What was Nixon's grand design for the United States and the world drug trade? Berkeley's Peter Dale Scott, writing in the foreword to the great heroine coup, says, quote, The establishment press failed to look critically at Nixon's war on heroin. Instead, it blandly reported Nixon's decision in June 1971 to provide $100 million in aid to end opium production in Turkey, a country which, according to CIA estimates, produced only 3 to 8 percent of the illicit opium available throughout the world. At the time, perhaps 80 percent of the world's illicit opium was grown, much of it by CIA-supported tribesmen in the Golden Triangle and most of the heroin still comes from there. Does this possibly give a different perspective to the Vietnam War? I might remind you folks that the biggest drug problem in this country is not heroin, although the importation of heroin is on the increase. The biggest problem has been cocaine and crack cocaine. And all this stuff about heroin is merely a diversion away from the biggest problem. They have no intention of stopping the drug flow into this country because it does three things. Number one, whoever is addicted to drugs is under a form of euphemistic slavery. They are no threat to anyone. 
They can be controlled always by reducing or increasing the supply of drugs or raising or lowering the price. They can be used to create crime when the price is raised and the quantity of drugs available are decreased to threaten the middle class so they will call for more control and take away our rights under the first ten amendments of the Constitution of the United States. The war on drugs is a war on the Constitution, and there is no war on drugs. Understand that. And wake up. Just wake up. Kangas alleges that if John F. Kennedy had lived, thousands of American men and millions of Vietnamese would have been spared. Kennedy had signed a National Security Action Memo, NSAM, number 263, in October the 11th, 1963, that all American troops would be home by 1965. And Kennedy's movie that Stone made, John F. JFK, the movie, JFK, points out that the military-industrial complex would have suffered. If the war ended, the CIA's heroin smuggling might have declined as well. Kruger states, quote, Nixon set up a special narcotics action and intelligence group right in the White House. In the same period, the Special Investigation Unit, the famous plumbers, or the infamous plumbers, I should say, set up shop in room 16 of the executive office building. The two groups overlapped, and several of their members were associates of Mafia Kingpin, Santo Traficante. This partnership between the Mafia and our government, but not our government, the CIA, goes further back than the Vietnam War, however. According to Congressman Ron Dellums, Press Secretary Max Miller, quote, the alliance between the Mafia and the CIA goes as far back as 1941, then the OSS, unquote. And I've outlined this already in the five hours of the hour of the time that was devoted to mind control. And you can order those tapes from Stan Barrington. When the United States was attempting to insert its troops into mainland Italy to fight Mussolini's and Hitler's troops, a deal was needed and the bargain has remained intact since. Houston Post investigative journalist Pete Bruton in February 1990 first broke the story of Mafia CIA ties to the savings and loans. And that's the only place it was ever seen was in Houston. Key savings and loan failures, including the BCCI swindle, has led to the depression-like situation in which the United States finds itself. George Green, the publisher who owns American West Publishing and publishes the Phoenix Journals, was heavily involved and the rate of the savings and loans. There are people in Texas standing at the border with hangman's ropes waiting for George Green to return. And I hope he does. Some of the savings and loans with mob CIA connections are Charles Keating's Lincoln, Vernon of Texas with its link to former House Speaker Jim Wright, Miami Sin Trust and David Paul, and then there's Dill Denver's Silverado with guess who? George Herbert Walker Bush's son, Neil. Don't you think it was a coincidence that when the investigation concerning his role was hot and heavy, Saddam Hussein was given the green light to invade Kuwait by Ambassador April Glasby? 
on July 25th, 
And that's where all this BS, and I mean it BS, about underground alien bases comes from. It's the cover for the CIA's operations illegally within the borders of the United States of America to bring about the New World Order by running mind control operations, propaganda operations against the American people. Wake up. The headline in the San Francisco Chronicle, 8-1991. Probe finds unusual links between failed savings and loans, BCC, BCCI. As the Village Voice, 11-591 story asserts, it's all one big conspiracy, and that's what I've been telling you for years. For years I've been telling you that, and now all these other researchers are confirming what I've been saying for years. Wake up. Another aspect of the octopus is the murder of Martin Luther King. Allegedly, James Earl Ray acted alone in the assassination. However, James Earl Ray's new book, Who Killed Martin Luther King, paints a different picture. The foreword is by Jesse Jackson, and he says, I have always believed that the government was part of the conspiracy either directly or indirectly, and I can tell you indirectly, the government, per se, is not responsible. There's elements within the government who belong to secret societies. Either directly or indirectly to assassinate Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Not only did James Earl Ray have eight aliases, he also had three facial plastic surgeries for FBI documents. Why? Records show categorically that there was more than one person involved in the shooting. One three-page FBI report has all entries blacked out, except for four innocuous sentences. Why? Lawyer Percy Foreman was paid $165,000 to defend James Earl Ray. Instead, Foreman coerced Ray into pleading guilty. Why? While in prison, James Earl Ray was stabbed 22 times in a murder attempt in 1981 and nearly died. Why? Did someone want him silenced? Someone powerful enough to get to him in a maximum security prison? Another infamous murder of a black leader was that of Malcolm X, who was killed in February of 1965. Malcolm X had traveled to Mecca the year before to expand his consciousness, whatever that means. He was espousing the peaceful coexistence of the races. If you listen to last night's broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, you know what this is all about. According to agents of repression, quote, it has been convincingly argued that the Federal Bureau of Investigation was involved in the orchestration of the assassination of Malcolm X. Unquote. Quote, Malcolm's personal bodyguard, Eugene Roberts, was later discovered to have been serving as an infiltrator of the New York police in very close liaison with the Federal Bureau of Investigation's anti-black extremist COINTELPRO personnel. Unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, why is it that so many noteworthy persons turned up dead due to murder or suicide? Could it have anything to do with the unified scandal theory, or as Danny Casolaro called it, the octopus? I say yes. 
Regarding the October surprise, George Bush has yet to settle in one particular alibi for his whereabouts from approximately 11 p.m. October the 18th, 1980, until about 9 p.m. October the 19th, 1980. And that is the exact time frame for George Bush's participation in the alleged October surprise negotiations. He has three different unverifiable alibis for those 22 hours, and the Secret Service's own records have him in more than three separate places at the very same time. And it's all bull. Another date that both Richard Milhouse Nixon and George Herbert Walker Bush have trouble remembering is the date of November the 22nd, 1963. Kangas has information that places both Richard Milhouse Nixon and George Herbert Walker Bush in Texas on the day of the John Kennedy assassination. I have a videotape from a newsreel taken in Dallas, Texas that shows Richard Milhouse Nixon in a receiving line in a hotel in Dallas. In fact, the same hotel where a famous movie actress was also staying. Isn't it about time that these two leaders were held accountable for their whereabouts on two very important days in our history? Or is it that nobody cares? Hmm? Do you care out there? Or have you given up? This is uh, a newspaper article from the Spotlight, 42792. It says Bush was at Homestead Air Force Base in Florida on January 4, 1990. And the document also reveals a pro-Israel faction within the CIA led by the, James, the late James J. Angleton, conspired with the Mossad in fabricating false intelligence even when the U.S. government itself was deceived by the results. According to the closely guarded report obtained by the Spotlight with the help of Foreign Service sources. And there's a lot more newspaper articles here confirming everything. And here's a very interesting one. This is from the Arcata Union. Thursday, October the 3rd, 1991. Also written by Roy Giampali. Arthur, not Arthur, excuse me, author Barbara Honiger is coming to Arcata Saturday to speak concerning her 1989 book, The October Surprise. The title refers to the Reagan-Bush 1980 campaign team and its alleged attempt to derail President Carter's re-election bid. She'll inform the North Coast of that experience as well as the development since. However, no surprise here. A number of individuals have turned up dead under mysterious circumstances. When you're dealing with a case of international graft, greed, and corruption, order a few lives. The storm is getting worse. At the heart of the story is the Iran-Contra affair, arms for hostages, and the resupply of the rebels trying to overthrow the Managua government. And thrown in for good measure, Bank of Credit and Commerce International, BCCI. According to Christopher Hitchens, writing in The Nation, Honegger lists people connected with the scandal who have since died. 
The list includes William Casey, an arms dealer Cyrus Hashimi. He goes on. Social activist Abby Hoffman was found dead April 12, 1989. This was after submitting his October Surprise manuscript. An Election Held Hostage was the title. To Playboy magazine, published October 1988. And the casualties keep coming. Investigative journalist and stringer for the Financial Times of London, Anson Ng, was murdered, execution style, shot through the head, July 29th in his Guatemala City apartment. All of this has already been published in my newsletter months ago. It was reportedly investigating BCCI and its financial dealings in the country. At the time of his death, there was a question. Had he gotten to the October surprise as well? More recently, Danny Casalero was found floating in his West Virginia motel room tub. He called the case the octopus. Columnist Jack Anderson in August tied Casalero's death to British journalist Jonathan Moyle. 3.31.90, he was murdered. Moyle was the probable victim of Chilean arms dealer Carlos Cardoan. Moyle had gone to Santiago to cover an international air show for Helicopter World, the publication he edited. Joe Blyfus, writing, In these times, ties Casalero's demise to that of the Cabazon Indian Reservation of India and the Wackenhut Corporation, a corporation that I've also tied to the security at a top-secret base in Nevada, where they have developed and test fly flying saucer-type vehicles owned and flown by the United States government, not aliens. In 1984, former Deputy CIA Director Bobby Inman, whom I once worked for at the Commander-in-Chief of the United States Pacific Fleet Headquarters when I was in the Office of Naval Intelligence, currently one of Robert Gates' CIA Director, main boosters in Washington, was a director of the company. And among those in the 1983 board were two former FBI special agents, one retired Air Force general, one former commander-in-chief of the North American Air Defense Command, NORAD, one former director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, former CIA director William Raybor, Nixon-appointed FBI director Clarence Kelly, and former CIA deputy director Frank Carlucci. All were on the board of Wackenhut Corporation. And Carlucci would later become Ronald Reagan's national security advisor. Guardian columnist Jack Calhoun writes that the U.S. House of Representatives September 5th subcommittee report on crime and criminal justice states, quote, The United States government had enough information on BCCI by the mid-1980s to have put BCCI on the most wanted list, unquote. He also says, quote, the report details instances going back to 1983 when the Customs Service, the Drug Enforcement Agency, the Internal Revenue Service, and the Justice Department failed to take action against BCCI. In the September 23rd U.S. News & World Report, former Panamanian dictator Manuel Noriega, currently on trial, or just finished his trial, says he was paid $10 million by the United States government. Noriega hopes to show, or hoped to show, that his involvement with Colombian cocaine lords was well known to the Central Intelligence Agency. The Drug Enforcement Administration and officials as high up as then Vice President George Bush. You bet your life, Bush hired him. What are the implications of all these incredible octopus-like interconnections? First and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, it could mean that our president is potentially guilty of high treason and could be impeached. 
and I tell you that he is, and maybe if he's reelected. The best and most advantageous way to determine for yourself is to come to the Humboldt State University Forbes Complex West on Saturday, October 5th at 7 p.m. and hear what Reagan Administration Insider Barbara Honiger has to say. That date is passed. Don't go, folks. It's over with. This is an, an old article. But if you look real hard, you may be able to purchase Barbara Honiger's book. The title is October Surprise. Another person has written another book called October Surprise about the exact same subject since she wrote her article. And it's still raining. I want all of you to do something now. Sit back. Close your eyes. On the back of your eyelids, draw a picture of the United States of America and all of its possessions. Draw a map. And on that map, put a dot for every city and town in this great nation and in its possessions. Now, if you're like me, it'd take you forever to count those dots because just in the state of Arizona, there's an awful lot of little towns and cities. A lot of them. Now, we're talking about the whole nation and all of the possessions of the United States of America. Now, take yourself to the street corner of any town that you want to in this nation or any of its possessions. And understand that at any given moment, hour, day, week, month, or year, if you have enough money in your hand, you can buy any quantity of any kind of dope, drug, narcotic that you can think of. At any moment, day or night, any hour, any day, week, month, or year, day or night. Now, can you imagine the supplies of drugs that have to be entering this country to accomplish that? Can you imagine? Understand that it's not Colombian drug lords bringing those drugs into this country. They're coming in under the protection of the umbrella of national security. Ladies and gentlemen, it's still raining. When is it ever going to stop? How is it ever going to stop? How in the world? And who are we going to get to stop the rain? I know from my stint with the Office of Naval Intelligence that George Herbert Walker Bush, when he was the president and CEO of the offshore division of Zapata Oil, was the man responsible for bringing the drugs into this country. He organized the first large-scale drug smuggling operations from Central and South America that came to the offshore oil platforms and from there into the beach by the normal crew conveyance and thus skirted detection by law enforcement or customs officials. 
And it's still raining, still storming. And until we as a people, until we as a nation wake up and take our power back and reinstate the Constitution as the supreme law of this land, the storm will continue to get worse and it will continue to rain and there will be no sunshine for this nation. The United States of America, ladies and gentlemen, is scheduled for extinction. And what's going on in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, at this very moment, is a part, is a part of the effort to destroy the United States of America and indeed the sovereignty of all nations and place us under the aegis of the United Nations. But the real power of the United Nations is the Security Council and the nations that sit on the Security Council. Understand that you will have no rights the United Nations Charter has no individual rights for individual human beings. There's no freedom of religion, no freedom of speech, no protection from unreasonable search and seizure. No guarantee that you will not be made to testify against yourself. There's no writ of habeas corpus. There is no guarantee of just compensation for property confiscated or seized. There is no nothing. No nothing. There are no guarantees of any kind. Are you ready and willing to give up everything that humanity has worked for in the history of this earth? all of man's efforts to be free, to be responsible, to walk in a divine state of grace, responsible upon this earth? Or are you going to give it all away? And for what? And for what? For all the scams and manipulations and lies and hypocrisy, tales being told to you about a war on drugs, crime in the streets, protection against the blacks who may riot and destroy you and your property, protection against the destruction of the ozone layer. Hmm? You see, because all of those are scams, all of them are lies. All of them are deceptions. The problem is, most people are falling for these deceptions hook, line, and sinker. Hook, line, and sinker. The same conditions exist in this country at this very moment that existed in Germany during Hitler's rise to power. 
Hitler also spoke of the new order and the new world order. Hitler also offered the solution of protection. The solution of socialism for Hitler's Germany was socialist and the Nazi party was national socialism and that's what Nazi means. That's a laugh every time I hear a socialist calling somebody else a Nazi. If you're a socialist, you are the Nazi because socialism brings total control over every individual that engages in the acceptance of favors from daddy in the form of the government. You see, when you accept favors from daddy in the form of the government, the same thing happens when you go home to your real daddy and live in his house and eat his food and drive his car and sleep in his bed. You lose your freedom. You lose your freedom. And whoever furnishes you with the necessities of life have the right to dictate to you legally under the law, under the common law, under any law. Free men and women cannot participate in socialism. You cannot, you must not. And indeed, this country is almost totally socialist at this moment. All we need is a couple of more things. Guaranteed food, guaranteed jobs, guaranteed medical care. You've already got guaranteed food. And if you don't have a job, you've got guaranteed welfare, which is the same thing. So really, the only thing we need to become a totally socialist country at this moment is guaranteed medical care. I know there's a lot of you out there who need medical care. But if you've never fallen for the insurance scam, the price of medical care would not be as high as it is today, and anybody would be able to afford it except the poor. Think about it. We're in this situation because we as a people, as citizens of this great country, have failed our forefathers and have failed the Constitution. Our forefathers and the Constitution did not fail us. But they knew we would be weak. And you can find in the writings of George Washington, James Madison, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, statements of what most probably would happen in the future of this great nation. And that the people would learn how to give themselves favor after favor after favor until there was no freedom left. You've used the right to contract to destroy yourselves. This is a wake-up call, maybe the only one that you ever get. This is serious. Wake up, roll over, sit on the edge of the bed, put your feet firmly up on the floor, and get up. Get up and look around at the real world, not the fantasy land that you've been wandering around in, lost for years. Your e-ticket has expired. The rides are coming to a stop. The gates are closing. And you'd better find the gate quickly.
and get out into the sunlight. You'd better learn to stand on your own two feet, responsible. Responsible. And you'd better throw every single traitor out of Washington. All of them. We need to completely revamp our entire political process. We can never again allow professional politicians to hold office in this country. And we must root out every member of secret societies who exist in the bureaucracy and in elected office. This must be done for the good of the nation. If we don't learn to do these things, and if we don't learn to send citizens to the State House and to Washington to represent us, and only for one term and one term only, then we are doomed as a people to be enslaved once again as man has always been enslaved in the past on this earth until this country was brought into being. The chains will surely be put around our ankles and we will be shackled to a computer in a system of cashless debt that will be more cruel than the most maximum security prison in the history of the world. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. Think about it long and hard. Look at your children when you think about it. And understand that the future belongs to them. And their future will be what we give them. Nothing more, nothing less. Good night, and God bless you all. Thank you.